They say that change is the only constant in life. In this season of Swim Upstream, we're breaking down specific instances of change in software organizations when both technical and human aspects were involved. I'm excited to welcome Brian Douglas to the show. I must say that Brian has a really cool job as he's GitHub's Director of Developer Advocacy and also a friend of Swim from our earlier days. Welcome, Brian. All right, let's dive in. Let's kick things off with some warm-up questions. So what have you been listening to on Spotify? Um, well, I've got two small kids, so the one song that I've been listening to is the uh, the Encanto song, which is, uh, yeah, wow. you don't talk about Bruno. Yeah, okay. It's like a okay. every afternoon thing. Amazing. So they, they've graduated from the Elsa and Anna songs, uh, <laughs> I, I'm assuming, because that, that's yeah, yeah. what I mean, I There was remember. an article about that. Yeah, there was an article about the... Uh, that uh, Encanto has overtaken the uh, Let It Go as the most popular okay. uh, listen to Disney sound. That's a tectonic shift uh, for kids. Okay, <laughs> uh, good to know. So tell us about, you picked a specific story uh, for us today to talk about change. Uh, tell us about where you were at um, and like uh, where you were at in life and where you were at organizationally. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so I picked a story from quite a few years ago when I was working at this company called Netlify. So today I work at GitHub, uh, leading DevRel there. And um, But at Netlify, it, when I was still engineering, transitioning to become full-time DevRel, uh, I was maintaining the dashboard, so app.netlify.com. And um, on, in addition to that, we were also shipping a, a couple different marketing sites like jamstack.org or staticgen.com. And um, in order to ship front-end, UI components. Uh, everything was hand-built from scratch and would just mimic some Figma or Envision template. And uh, at that time, which this was um, 2017, so Netlify was like around 10 people, and design systems was like a thing that kept getting talked about by designers. Uh, designers who were working with engineers and engineers who also were designers. And uh, there was like this sort of shift in the industry as people were like saying, you know what, actually things like Bootstrap you could actually rebuild that for your company specifically. Uh, and people started sharing the secret sauce of like how to approach that. So at Netlify, we made the decision to like, hey, let's let's take that step towards that direction. Because as we're shipping all these sort of side projects, marketing sites, but also still maintaining the actual UI for the app, um, the, the dashboard, uh, it would be really nice to have a design system, to have some consistency of the site itself. And one thing that, that kind of pushed us toward that, towards that direction is when we hired our first designer. So t tell us a bit about your role then and how it related to to, to a design system specifically. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was hired at Netlify as a full-stack developer, uh, but when I got there, I was the only one that was willing to write JavaScript. So I quickly became the front-end engineer on the team. Uh, so day-to-day, -day, I would just implement features uh, that connected to the backend uh, and the API. Uh, and then connect that to the front end and add some React components. One of my first jobs there was convert Angular to React because uh, we made a, a big shift in React at that time. It was React was very very exciting, so uh, we made the decision to switch to that. So you described uh, Netlify as having around ten people, right? So it's yeah. really like early stage startup phase. Usually at that point, if something didn't happen up until now, it's because really 
it wasn't burning enough, right? And yeah. um, I mean, so I understand the designer came in and had, you know, all these ideas, obviously, but how do you get the organization to, to switch the way they think about a particular problem and, you know, starting to think of it as something that's actually important enough to put one of our 10 people on it? Yeah, and that's a, that's a ch- for a small team like that, even engineering teams, because like now I work on larger teams at GitHub, it sometimes is hard to justify, hey, we're going to take some time of not shipping something to completion uh, to go and solve a you know, more operations or more of a developer experience problem. Looking at it now, uh, and even like looking at the other, when we completed this, this uh, design system transition, uh, it makes sense that the investment of being able to ship quicker and faster makes sense. But we were in a sort of uncharted territory because not most design systems, if you leverage one, it was either a large open source one or it was like Airbnb or Facebook who like gifted the community access to the design system. So like you didn't have a lot of decision making, a lot of style choices. It was a sort of you just sort of jump in and all the decisions are made for you. So in the in the context of Netlify, we ended up getting to a point where we had a good feature, a fully featured uh, application. Like we were growing, uh, seeing like good adoption. Uh, so to be able to take the time, and I think we only took like a week, uh, maybe more, not more than a week and a week and a half of like actually sitting down, putting some of the most basic components. Uh, so then the the thing that we actually the way we came to resolution for this is that the decision was not to put every single thing in the design system to put some of the the most hairiest questions so things like grid systems like how do we how do we place things on the page uh, so as a non-designer I learned about the eight point grid system from this process and I've never stopped using it since then so th- there are two questions here that I think about hearing this first um, you know making this change uh, choosing a low low-hanging fruit right uh, you mentioned that you see the value like there there is a return on investment what what's that return like is it did everyone look at this and say yeah this looks far better now so one have a, a list of all the colors that we use on the page like that showed value immediately because we were also shipping like little small grow tacky marketing sites uh, so we had like speed test um, which I don't think it's still live, but like similar to like fast.com, which for, which mm-hmm. is from Netlify. Sorry, from Netflix. Yes. Uh, the Freudian slip is now happening, but Netlify had something very similar. And so be able to ship that really quick, which is just a form, put your website, we'll provide a score of how fast your site is. That is That was something we were able to turn around pretty quickly, like having some like basic things discovered. So it's no longer like, oh, you know what? Like, does the form need, how many rounded pixels do you need on the form and at the time like it was 10 like and all this stuff is committed to memory and the reason why it's committed to memory because like once i went through this process i don't build another site a side project or a future project even at github without design system in mind because what usually happens is you bring somebody in and we saw this with netlify bring somebody in into the fold you're going to engineer with us no longer am i going to spend weeks with you trying to teach you like you know it's actually this hex code not this one Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, it's like, hey, go restore off the shelf. Here's the list of things that we've already have decided, the components. And if you need to do something like unique or interesting, like add it to the design system. So like if a lot of it was like an accordion type of list. So it, if anybody looked at the Netlify dashboard today, you'll see a lot of like a lot of elements that look the same that you reuse other places. So like the way the form and navigation feels so fluid and familiar when you go to each each um, tab within your deployments and your logs 
Uh, it's because we're, we're reusing the same thing over and over again. We're not reinventing for the sake of reinventing. So pulling somebody later in who wasn't there in the, the original decision process, they are able to hit the ground running like right away. Another aspect of this though, I mean, you're mentioning new people coming in and making it far easier to get them into the system. But when you're introducing something new like this, you also need to get the people that have been around for a while on board. And sometimes that's harder. How do you go about doing that? That this really comes down to like making sure things are not as complicated as they need to be. So there was actually one part where we had to make a distinction. And actually, this is very common in most design systems. Um, I think GitHub GitHub has a design system today, and we actually borrowed a lot of implementation details from them as well, uh, ironically, because now we're at GitHub. Yeah. Um, but the decision to make marketing in UI, like actual user dashboard separate components, was something we had to make that decision up really quickly up front, because with the marketing components, like, they're going to change as a site and as as design aesthetics change uh, culturally uh, within the community, that was something we had to put a stake in and say, okay, this is going to be way more fluid, flexible. We're going to take way more chances on how things are presented because it's the marketing site. It's the landing page. So anything that's a landing page or anything that's meant to sort of attract an audience and convert them into signing up, like that's going to have way more artistic freedom and probably going to have way more updates but when it comes to the UI, the UI needs to be consistent because I, I want to know if I need to go change some variables or I need to change like my site name, I need to know how to get there quickly. I don't want the, the experience to change that drastically if I don't log in for three months. It started from a low-hanging fruit and showing like a, a fast and very significant return on investment. But were there any surprises, like uh, challenges that you met in this process that surprised you that didn't go that easy? Um, honestly, the, the most surprising thing, because at the moment we had that we had the first designer, we had another creative director who managed all the landing page pages. Uh, that was something that they had to de- decide for themselves uh, for like creative direction to make that split. And uh, honestly, more and more, I see even like Tailwinds, their UI components also have like a aesthetic for marketing sites and for landing pages, and then they have a very UI-friendly, dashboard-looking developer tool-style design system. So like, once we sort of got past that hurdle, everything sort of just worked out, uh, where the UI could just get shipped really quickly, the marketing side could sort of have like sort of the the design sprints, and we call these, um, they were engineering catch-ups, but then they called them, so engineering teams, they had the the catch-up which is, it sounds like a condiment, <laughs> but the design team called the design mustard for that same reason. So they had these design mustard chats where they were to sit and talk aesthetically about design systems and like future and trends and stuff like that. So like designers want to design. So like we, we give them that space to do that. You know, this is a good example of uh, a startup uh, starting to mature, right? Uh, starting to work yeah. properly. And it sounds like this was um, a very good experience for everyone involved. So I, I wonder, did you see this type of dynamic uh, repeat itself with other things like tests and things that are maybe even less popular? Yeah, I mean, it, very true. Because uh, when I first started at the company, we didn't write a, a ton of tests. Because I think at, at the time, React uh, was at the point uh, for folks listening, if you use React, you know Jest is kind of it comes along for the ride for testing libraries. So Jest was still pretty much in its infancy at that point. So 
there wasn't a lot of a paved path for that. But as the industry sort of matured and saw that testing was way more of a thing that you want to do with your UI elements, and now we have Cypress and we have Apple tools that can do some visual testing, um, that's something we were able to approach. But in going back to the design system, identifying things like, is it possible to create a framework or a library out of this experience? And that was the one thing that I, I noticed as an engineer, uh, moving away from design system, but like we had a, to Netlify, you log in with GitHub or GitLab or Bitbucket. And uh, it was intentional because we want to connect to your repos. But that file, the API file to connect to GitHub, for example, like that was all ad hoc. Like we're just going to jump in, make a decision on the API, figure out how to sort of convert that JSON data to be usable. And it was just a, a sort of like a, a wild, wild west of, of a file to basically just like, good luck, nothing's tested. Like this, figure out whatever the endpoint that you need, make that work, and then move on with like implementing the UI. And some things that we dis- we, we learned uh, was after we built our entire quote-unquote SDK, is like there are other tools out there like OctaKit, which gives us that same experience. It's readily maintained. Um, so like instead of me maintaining the thing if something breaks or if the API updates, uh, instead we can leverage open source tools or tooling to basically keep consistent. And then if we need to, go ahead and uh, <laughs> uh, commit upstream, I guess, which is, uh, I guess, I don't know if you, you got to say the name of the podcast at least once uh, during the, the conversation. <laughs> but yeah, but basically commit upstream to help support community. And I think that decision of knowing when to build your own thing and when to use someone else's is something you constantly have to make that trade-off as a, a fast-growing company. And I think what's great about nowadays is there's so many decisions made for you that if you wanted to only use Jamstack tools or want to only use tools off the shelf, like you can. And then like once you get to the point where you're either growing out of it or it's not meeting your needs, like then you can make that decision of like, should we invest in doing our own design system or should we go pick something that the community has like adopted as a, a consistent standard. So, and again, those will be trade-offs, but it's it's easier to have that conversation of like, hey, we're gonna have to rewrite something. Should we rewrite into support, community support, have an onboarding path into hiring new developers because everybody knows this one design system, or build our own and then have an onboarding experience that maybe it might not be as nice because people there's some decisions that have been made. So like we've we clearly drew the straight stake of like keeping the design system simple, like focusing on the the, the hardest problems first, uh, like the grid system and like font sizes, uh, and then move into something that's more elegant. Because as an engineer, I've noticed that as you make this, you solve the smaller problems, uh, and you sm- solve them in a place that are bite sized and approachable. It's going to be much easier to bring somebody else on board because in documentation you can now have that conversation only about this one small problem, uh, as opposed to like. Here's like this opaque function that we don't know how it works, but it does, and uh, mm-hmm. we can't document it because it does it does sixty steps, and uh, we're just like it's a magic function. No one no one wants to touch it, um, but it's usually a sort of a red flag to say, hey, too complicated. Let's break this down. Okay, so now let's imagine there's uh, a full stack uh, developer out there. They want their team to adopt a design system for the first time or something similar. Is could you like pick uh, one technical and one organizational or human uh, advice uh, for them at this moment? Yeah, one technical advice is that I, I'd actually focus on the simplistic things first. Like when it comes to design systems, solving the simple problems like the grid is something I didn't I didn't realize was like 
the heart. It's kind of like the beating heart of the design system. That's actually way more important than aesthetically pleasing UI components that you can pick off the shelf. Uh, like understanding that how approachable the grid is makes so much more sense. Uh, so approach it in that way and approach it in a way that it, it should be explainable. So some of the basic pieces should be explainable uh, so that way anybody can approach it. Um, but then the other thing is I'd actually caution folks to even consider choosing a community design system because very quickly as you build some of these small problems, that, as we saw at GitHub, uh, we've we've solved problems like Electron and, and Atom and now we have We've acquired uh, the Bootstrap creator who now created Primer. So like we're owning all these other problems, but also shipping a large platform with collaboration and tooling built in and DevOps. So we have to make the decision, like, do we still want to continue to solve these problems? And like, it's nice because we're a well-funded company owned by Microsoft that we can like say, yes, we're going to hire people just for only the open source or only the design system. But as a, a growing company, you have to make the decision, like, do you want to always have a headcount only working on the design system, or do you want to have three engineers instead working on the UI and then using community-funded, community-contributed design systems as well? So that's a decision that more of like a longer-tail, aesthetically pleasing uh, conversation that you should have up front. Like, do you want to be a design system company, or do you want to solve your company problems instead? Would that be also like the organizational advice, or is there something else in terms of like how how do you get yeah, yeah. and how would you get the least design oriented people on your team on board? Uh, you know, except for giving them simple tools, is there anything you can do to to get them to appreciate the the impact? Yeah, the I honestly for organizational wise, like I am a big fan of having quick side projects. So a lot of folks these look like hackathons. Um, or like a quick hack day, because like usually you have some downtime. Uh, hopefully, you have some downtime. If not, like congratulations on raising your next round. Like maybe that's why you you've got so much, uh, so much power in the sprint going right now. But uh, giving space for people to like feel like they're sort of research and developing. Um, like this could be a couple hours on a Friday, or this could be maybe a week during the holidays, um, because like sometimes you have the weird weeks where you only have like two days of work. Like those are opportunities that I love. Like I've always, I've always built it into my job um, as an engineer to have those, that space to be able to try things out. Um, so being able to try things out, like in the design system, to kind of bend it or test it to see if it actually is going to meet the needs of like future aesthetically pleasing design and UI, that gives opportunity for continual decision making without even knowing you're actually doing that. So that was the other reason why we have a design system. We put that together at Netlify because again, going for the always shipping small, growth-hacky side projects, we needed a quick way to be able to say, okay, we want something that looks kind of like Netlify, feels like it's a Netlify-owned thing, but it's like, you know, speedtest.org or whatever um, to be able to ship it really quickly and like test out an API endpoint. And that it, it worked out because Netlify, it, it's a site It's a, a site to help people deploy sites and do continuous delivery. So like if we weren't able to ship sites quickly, and sh- ship them on Netlify, then it's going to yeah. be harder for even our our customers to ha- even think about doing that themselves. So, as long as we had the bar of it, the bar of entry to deploy stuff really quickly, then it made it easier to have that conversation. So, uh, we we kind of lucked out because the the platform we were building, like it alleviated that all the sort of pressure of like, oh, well, we can't just deploy stuff for the sake of deploying. It's like actually we can because we're Netlify. So, um, but you're in your company, like there should. The hope is that you could have some space to be able to say, okay, we're going to try some new things out 
that are not going to break production or going to touch like the main flagship product. But let's just let's just have a little fun and get to try things out. Okay, great, Brian. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks everyone for tuning in. That's all the time we have for today. To read episode transcripts, check out our past season, suggest an episode, or join our growing community of developers. Head to swim.io. That's swim with two m's.io.